welcome to the 32nd episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me, as always, is Roger Antner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So, Roger, this week is just you and me. We've had some great guests on recently, but we're back in earnings season this week. Verizon and AT&T announced just last week, so I thought we could talk about that. So, first up, Verizon. Uh, out of the big three, uh, they tend to be the most cyclical across the industry. Q4 is always their biggest, the always the biggest quarter, but Verizon has the least exposure to prepaid. So they tend to have the biggest drop off in Q1. Having said that, I, I thought their quarter was mixed. Well, the, the prepaid was up. What do you mean? You know? <laughs> well, we could definitely talk about prepaid, particularly once they uh, buy track phone, right? Yeah. So they're, they're going to have a lot bigger. Presumably, if that acquisition goes through, they'll have a lot bigger prepaid numbers in the future. For now, they, they have the least amount of exposure to prepaid. You know, from an aggregate perspective, they lost 170,000 postpaid net ads, which is about 120,000 more lost than they lost this time last year. They're usually negative in postpaid in Q1, but their upgrades were good versus last year. So 4.3% of the base upgrade is opposed to 3.7%. That's important because that's the opportunity you often have to upsell folks on plans and, and devices and things like that. And that's, I think, a big part of their strategy is to kind of move people up the food chain. So uh, good from an upgrade perspective. Another positive note, Verizon Media, which they haven't really talked about a whole lot recently. Because what is there to talk about? Right? Well, what there is to talk about is they had their second straight quarter of double-digit growth. Yeah, just in time for the death of cookies, right? Well, we sh- we shall see. However, <laughs> they did grow, right? So remember, Verizon Media is the combination of you know for, uh, AOL and Yahoo plus some other ad tech assets which they had uh-huh. acquired, right? It's now kind of their third leg of the stool. They, they historically have presented as you know consumer and business, uh, and this time around they position yeah. as consumer business and Verizon Media. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, um, the, the third leg of the stool grew a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Business was positive from a net ad perspective. Uh-huh. So they grew by 156,000 net ads, 47,000 of, of which were phone. Uh, that's lower than last year, but still a source of growth. But I think what's interesting is consumer was not as good. So consumer net ads were negative 307,000, 225,000 negative for phone. So I think that may be a little troubling. That having been said, from an EBITDA perspective, they did grow. So they're even increased by a little under two percent. So I know I know you have a lot to say about this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts in terms of of how they did. In a nutshell, Verizon's strategy is working as intended. The question is, is it a good strategy? Right. So they have successfully upsold their customers to higher value plans. Right. But they lost a boatload of uh, lower value customers. They lost not only subscribers, like lines, but they also lost accounts. And so they are getting a lot more money out of fewer customers and fewer unique customers, which makes the value proposition of T-Mobile and increasingly AT&T so much stronger, right? 
Also, what concerns me even more than the consumer side is the business side. Because th that used to be really the strong pillar of of the company recently, and and Tammy Irving did did a fantastic job. She really brought home the bacon, and it looks like the little piglets are running faster, and the bacon is, is much harder to get, right? Right. So I mean, to to put it in perspective, uh, in Q one of last year, they brought in. The business side of Verizon brought in 475,000 net ads. This time around, they brought in 156,000. Of that 156, 47,000 were phones. This time last year, they brought in 239,000 phones. And so that that's still a positive number in, in Q1, but it is lower than it was last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. It's still a positive number. They, they are still delivering. They are the shiny beacon of hope in a sea of darkness, right? You know, and, and then we have now finally our friends from Verizon Media showing up really strong results. But as as I said, you know, when I so rudely interrupted you in the beginning, it's right in time for the death of cookies, of third-party cookies, which makes the portfolio that Verizon bought and partially sold even more valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Although I would say, in, in Verizon's defense, they Verizon Media has kind of a DSP SSP hybrid, and they, you know, obviously AOL and Yahoo legacy properties are publishers, and so from a first party versus third party cookie perspective, they're in a better place than somebody who would be completely reliant on third party party cookies, right? Because they've got a lot of that first party information as a publisher as well, but. That having been, having been said, there's a lot of ambiguity in terms of what's going to happen in ad tech having to do with cookies and third-party identifiers. Yeah, right? and they sold Huffington Post and things like that. So in a way, they, they sold parts of their strength because it's a tough business, right? And it's not their core competence. So and I think the other thing that was interesting... You know, they talk a lot about, and you mentioned it earlier, they, they uh, growing kind of the value of, of the accounts that they have. And they did make progress on that, right? And so they're working towards having up to 50% of folks on what they call premium unlimited plans by 2023. They grew by about a percent or so. I believe they're at 23% on premium unlimited on their base now. So making progress there. And, and I think if they continue to grow those premium unlimited accounts at the pace that that we saw this last quarter, they will actually hit that target by year in 2023. I think the big question is, you know, they're not doing it in a vacuum. So can they continue to do that? Well, exactly. You know, the question is, are they chasing fool's gold here? Because they're very proud that they are the biggest independent distributor of content, right? And they are more and more exposing themselves to content owners like Disney. All of these guys are like, they gave them good deals, but they're like your friendly neighborhood drug dealer where, oh, let me give you a really good price on your first hit. And then they're going to squeeze you and squeeze you and squeeze you. Just ask AT&T with DirecTV or ask Charlie Ergen at, at Dish how it feels to be squeezed by content providers. Or, or uh, the, the cable guys. Cable guys are no longer cable TV providers. They are cable 
broadband providers out of exactly that reason, because the content owners are not nice people. These are some of the most successful but ruthless guys around. I got to push back a little bit on that just because owners like, so for example, you know, Netflix price in Greece will be a dollar or two, right? Like on a T-Mobile, they pass that on to customers. Like I can afford a dollar or two. I think most folks can. And I think a a lot of folks that are on premium plans at Verizon can certainly afford a dollar or two per month. For a service you're paying thousands of dollars a a year on, you know, for, you know, a a multi-line account, Eat twelve, twenty, thirty dollars over the course of the year. I don't think is going to cause a lot of people to turn out, right? Like it may put pressure on your balance sheet to some extent because it's passed through revenue. But do I think it's going to drive churn? Absolutely not. Well, at the same time, you know, when you listen to Verizon, they're extremely proud of how their NPS went up after they gave people th- something for free. Well, no shit, Sherlock, right? If you go up to somebody on the street and say, here, I have five bucks, of course they're going to like you. It's the same thing here. And then when you take it away, they like you less. I think we all know how you feel about bundling content. That having been said, I mean, I think relative to what the street was expecting, none of these results are really very surprising, right? So Verizon came in kind of pretty much around consensus estimates. And, you know, well, I wouldn't say... Uh, it's their best quarter ever. It's certainly not their worst. And I think, you know, typically speaking, like I said in the beginning, you know, Q1 is not always a great quarter just based on their kind of cyclical nature of not having a lot of prepaid folks. And when there's a bump in Q1, Q2. So, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was a reasonable quarter. I think it's good. They're getting upgrades and their EBIT is going up. So kind of the profitability measures that they're shooting for, they're hitting from a subscriber count perspective. It's, it's, they're not hitting, it's, right? They're not hitting. But, but I, I think they would probably argue that they're not, they're not, those are, that's not their top priority right now. All right, so that's Verizon. You know, let's talk about AT&T a little bit. So I think what I would characterize AT&T's quarter as is, you know, where Verizon was slow and steady, kind of what everybody was expecting. I thought AT&T really surprised a lot of folks, uh, largely on the upside. So just to run through some of the same numbers that we looked at for Verizon, uh, AT&T grew subscribers by 823,000 postpaid nets. 595,000 of those were phone. They didn't have as many upgrades as Verizon, but kind of in the same ballpark, right? So 4.1%, and that was compared versus a year ago total of 3%, which is pretty bad. So they had a low bar to jump over there, but they they certainly jumped over it. And from an even perspective, surprisingly, they managed to grow by about two percent. So I thought, you know, one of the things that we interested, was interesting that we talked about last quarter is you know, AT and T's been very aggressive in terms of retention promotion. So they've they've basically been giving the same deals to existing customers as they give to new customers, which is not typical in wireless. And we wondered about whether or not that was sustainable and we still need to dig into the numbers a little bit but at least from now for now it seems like it might be right yeah well in a way how often are people surprised until they get used to it right this is now the third time people are surprised that AT&T is delivering really solid results on playing offense you know for years every time i met with somebody who had something to say at AT at&t till i was blue in the face i said you guys have to play offense don't play defense if you play defense you will lose if you play offense you will win and at&t is playing offense so 
yes, they have a really competitive handset offer for both retention and and acquisition. And if you look at it, the churn is down because there are several hundred thousand people every quarter who, instead of going to a competitor, are getting a new phone. And then they're going to stick another two and a half years around. And one thing that people really, you know, especially our our spreadsheet jockey fans in on, on Wall Street don't get is if you do the right decisions and if you grow the business, you are going to have a much better performing company. You know, when when companies make their goals through their top line instead of cutting cost, you know, everybody walks with a with a a much more sprig in their in their gait and walk a little bit faster, smile a little bit more rather than oh my god, we have to lay off more people because sales went down again and you know and and our customers are leaving us when you're growing when when you're making your numbers that way i i always like making my numbers through the top line rather than cutting at the bottom line and you know you know that from our own business right we we go for growth and i'm so happy that that AT&T goes for growth because it makes such a more interesting podcast when you have two carriers, T-Mobile and AT&T, playing offense. I wish Verizon would play more offense because then it would be really, really interesting. So, I mean, I think from an analyst perspective, I understand why you would you know, typically want to give new customers better offers than existing customers. But from a consumer perspective, it really is kind of a slap in the face, right? Exactly. And so I think, you know, if we're talking about consumer focus and growth and things like that, I, you know, TBD, if it works in the long run, but at least in the short run, I think, you know, what they've really done here is they've stopped the bleed in terms of churn, right? And particularly yeah. in a market with only three major players like that, you can't be the one on the bottom. And and revenue is going up, right? If you look at it, for for the last 10 years, the entire profit increase of AT&T came from more efficiency on the back end, meaning they they got so much more inefficient. They didn't increase sales. Finally, they're increasing sales again, you know, and that's how you want to win. And 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 it makes everybody smile, right? And and I think absolutely it, it is sustainable because when you look look at page three of the presentation from the earnings call, fat in the middle, our goal is to increase the number of customer relationships, and that's what they're doing. It's not like it's anybody that they're not hiding it. That is the strategy, and and when they have the customers and when they have more customers, then they can monetize them better. Right. And then ultimately they can sell them HBO plus. Right. So I get I get what you're saying here. I get what you're saying here. But but I think, you know, the subtext of all these kind of really good retention offers that that were previously not available to folks who are already customers is that to do that, they had to push contract terms out from 24 months to 30 months. Right. And so I know, you know, when we worked together at Nielsen, years and years ago, one of the things that we showed was the longer somebody's on a device, the lower their satisfaction is. And then beyond a certain point, somebody reaches a point of no return and they leave. And so there is a danger. There is a danger around letting people stay on devices for too long. 
that having been said, you know, average tenure for devices is getting longer and longer. So maybe devices have caught up and it's okay to have a two-year-old device. I don't know. Well, here's the other thing. Look at look at automobiles, right? People are on five and six and now even seven-year contracts. Do they own their car five, six, seven years? Often not, because they roll over what they owe. Look at what T-Mobile is doing. Bring us a working phone and we'll give you a free one. Well, look at what Verizon's doing. Bring us not even a working phone, right? The, they'll give you incentives up to $1,000, right? So- yes, exactly. So so the just that they amortize it over 30 years is, to me, much more financial gymnastics rather than an indication of that they're trapping customers in, in a phone for, for two and a half years unless the customer wants it. Well, right? we, we had this conversation this morning about this, right? Like once you get to the point where you only have – you know, six months left on your contract, you could probably find somebody to buy you out on that contract, right? And like right now, T-Mobile and Verizon both have offers for that, right? The question is, can can AT and T keep their customers happy enough so they don't they don't try to go get bought out? Because I think if you try, you can make that happen in most yeah, scenarios. But- when the company gets momentum, and we have seen this with T-Mobile, when they were the runt of the litter. You know, they were investing in increased customer numbers and and improved retention. Their profits initially went down, and then they grew into scale, into the machine that they are now. And, you know, now they, they are a formidable competitor and the numbers are very impressive. I think T Mobile, uh, ATT is trying to do something very similar gain momentum have have people mention you and say like oh i'm surprised how well they do and wow this is an offer right everybody wants to join a a winning team well so i mean i think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out right yeah i am excited because the old plan i don't think really worked uh, I, I, you know, we have a change of leadership. Randall and John Stevens are out, and John Stanky is making different decisions, and they're working right. I don't see why they wouldn't work next quarter too. And then, you know, some people will still be surprised that they will have a good quarter, and some people will still doubt if it's sustainable, even though profitability and revenue and customers, basically everything went up. We'll see. Well, it'll, it'll certainly be interesting to see what happens with T-Mobile. I know there's been a lot of speculation about the switching pool just being smaller in general. We'll know uh, when T-Mobile reports kind of how big that switching pool really was in Q1, right? My expectation is that they are probably slightly more more than, than AT&T in, in terms of net ads. I don't think in, in terms of, of accounts they will grow a lot, but... T-Mobile will do another fantastic job of giving more free phones to their existing accounts. And so they will come in with, you know, 600-ish thousand probably. That would be my guess. We'll see how bad of a guesser I am. All right. Well, we will definitely revisit that when uh, T-Mobile announces. We certainly wouldn't want to miss an early one. Maybe I'll eat humble pie then, right? (laughs) Who knows? All right. all right that's all we have time for today roger thank you we'll talk to you next week thank you